time that you've actually experienced a delay while at a basketball game it's few and far between i can tell you that and uh that is why i enjoy that sport so much i still do enjoy baseball we're talking baseball once more on unlike any other the umac ryan alongside of wyatt and wyatt you give me a hard time sometimes other people do as well but i'm honest throughout this thing of why the best time of year in basketball when we come down this stretch it just it just feels right and i'm not saying that tomorrow may not be great out at isg field here in mankato but it has been a tough few days with the weather shenanigans but how how are you doing sir I've lost all sense of time at this point because I have no idea how many games have been played or where we were supposed to be at at this point in the tournament. I've been dealing with my own stuff, obviously, as the loyal listeners know in Bismarck. We're back in Crookston now. That adventure is done, so that's that's enough of that for now. Can turn my attention back on the UMAC. Heck, I should have thought of maybe even driving to Mankato. It's too late now. I should have just came oh. straight there, and we could have we could have <laughs> we could have we could have got half the tournament done together, Ryan. At this point, I mean, it would have been great. But but anyways, uh, here we are, and there's still a lot to be determined at this point. But I guess I'm doing well, all things considered. I mean, if that's our biggest problem, we got it pretty good. Yeah, great ride for the UMC Golden Eagles. Wasn't the way oh. you wanted it to end, Wyatt. But nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, they had a really Nice performance out in Mandan, and you made a lot of memories in Mandan, North Dakota, and you never thought you'd say that in your life. So mission accomplished. You know, yeah, so I, check it off the bucket list. I, you know, it was is right at the top of the bucket list was to go out there and experience that. In all seriousness, great tournament, great level of play. It was a lot of fun to watch the games, and yeah, no, and you know, the UMC coach, he's, you know, he was very honest in the post game that I interviewed him and. He, he's, you know, pulling a Bobby Hurley or, you know, I mean, think of all the great coaches where they're like, oh, we're going to be back. And, and he pulled one of those and said, <laughs> we're, we're, this is just the bit we're back and I know we're going to be back and we're on the right track. And so he's confident. So everybody else out there, watch out for the Golden Eagles in the future. They're coming. That's funny. Do you like it when coaches say that, like that confidence, or do you wish they would just keep this season, this season and just well, kind of get out of there? It depends. I mean, each situation is its own. If you can back it up, and legit like do it then i think it's like you know cl- i i don't know what the right word is i mean it's it's impressive one uh and, and you know there's very few that actually do back it up though i guess is what i'm trying to say and so for the ones that do i think it's great i also agree every season is its own though so you got to find the fine line of keeping this what it is and then also being able to build off the success if that makes sense so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't mind it. It's just you better back it up now. And if you don't, you're going to look like a fool. So, Yeah, and I don't know how often that uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils have backed it up for Bobby Hurley. But that's not what we're talking about tonight, Wyatt. As much as I would love to talk Pac-12 basketball with you and how the Pac-12 runs through the Galen Center, as John well, Rostein saying with well. Ronnie James and all the others, like we don't, <laughs> we don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. We do have some time to talk about these games though that have been played and like I said I, I mean at this point in the tournament like on on Saturday night it was supposed to be over by now wasn't it yeah had the uh, schedule I mean cooperated if, even if we if, played a full <laughs> seven games in the bracket Wyatt at this point we were supposed to be 
looking at photos on our phone of the team raising the trophy and walking around the field and the photos with the families and kissing the babies and all of it was supposed to already have taken place and it feels like we're so far away from that moment like it's not even close yeah no I, I we're lucky to have four games in I guess at this point and you know we had to use all three days to even just get the day, games in because we're sitting there dealing with rain and tomorrow doesn't look that great either we'll talk about that maybe at the end let's actually talk about the games that did take place so I know we took the day to not record because we thought we might be in the same exact position tonight and sure enough we pretty much are so uh, it's not an instant reaction but nonetheless we can still catch up on everything that's taken place and set the scene for the final day or at least what we hope is going to be the final day of the tournament it, it has to be right it, that's the reality it kind of well, has when, to be uh, okay i guess we'll talk about it now when is the selection show technically like when do they need to know you would maybe have a better idea than i would as far as the deadline for when these games need to be played like it's tomorrow night at midnight officially like the cutoff time yeah so i'm next to positive i mean the selection show always happens you know on monday so the day following all these conference tournaments wrapping up across the nation and the ones that are played on the weekend before i was having a hypothetical conversation um with somebody yesterday or two days ago they all run together now in my head about you know the rain coming and what would need to happen if stuff got pushed back and basically if my understanding is correct they have to finish by end of the night tomorrow i guess it would be so i think as long as you get it done by tomorrow evening you can submit your bid in time now i know off the mic white you've said something about division two it's even more complicated where what'd you say it's like by three or four in the afternoon you got to be done or yeah so they were trying to figure this out for like four hours the other day i'm not sure why it was taking that long like you would (laughs) think you'd be able to just have somebody on speed dial if you're like a commissioner or one of the people and you'd get it done. They they were struggling. But uh, it's sometime in the afternoon. And the reason why, especially with the NSIC, for instance, they're a multiple bid league. So they need to know who's going to win and then who else might get an at-large. Like Division Two is just a different deal, you know, versus Division Three for, for a variety of reasons. And obviously it's different for Division One as well, as you know not to reference basketball again, but obviously all the games got to be done by this time because this is the selection show. And depending on if there's bid stealers or not, that all comes into play. So it, it all makes sense at the division three level. It's a little different, especially in the UMAC knowing it's just a one bid league. So do you think it matters as much for the selection committee? Because I understand they need to know who the team is, but at the same time, they probably could just pencil them in for that location, regardless of who wins the conference. Like, I don't think one of these teams is far above the rest of them where they're going to get a different draw, if that makes sense. So is there an exception that could possibly be made for the UMAC, knowing that whoever wins the conference, they're going to have the same draw regardless? Yeah, I think that all makes sense. I would agree with that. And, you know, like I said before, I think it's just by end of the night tomorrow and whenever that time is, you know, that works. And like you said, it it it, it helps, if you will, that we know, unfortunately, maybe someday, Wyatt, we've pounded the table for this with basketball, I think could be closer to this stage. But for UMAC baseball, um, it's a what? There's no at-larges. Sorry to break it to you. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's some miracle sometime soon where we get two teams out of this league into the tournament. But for yeah. the time being, that's not going to happen. So, 
Yeah, they got to find a way to get at least two, if not possibly three games in tomorrow. And as you mentioned, Wyatt, we're going to talk about the weather at the end so we don't okay. get in an okay. absolute yeah. rabbit hole. You, well, you did say that, correct? I mean, well, if you wanted I did. to do it, now we and could. Now, and, now we could talk, and now we started talking about this. Let's just let's save that for the end. The other thing I would ask right now, though, is it has to be done tomorrow. What, what's going on here, though? You're gonna, not saying this is going to happen, but it very well could. You're telling me you're going to make one of these teams play a potential third game in one day? Like that's not that's not right. That's not. It's nope. <laughs> never been done before. There's been a lot of people that say you can't do that or shouldn't do it with baseball for obvious reasons, and I don't think that's really fair to you know. Let's say Superior Crown does beat Bethany the first time. That's not fair to one of them to make them play a third game in the the same day. So I I don't I, and I understand this is a unique situation. But under no circumstances, in my opinion, should that happen. And, yeah, and I'm I mean, guessing the coaches are upset about it too. Yeah, they they are, and I don't want to go too deep on this, um, just because there are so many layers to this thing. But in some ways, I mean, for so many decisions that have been made the last few days, it's not one person's decision why, but they've kind of done themselves in where it has to take place this way tomorrow. So we could see for the first time, they're going to have to potentially play through some light to somewhat constant rain. And as long as it's not too excessive, it's going to be like, Hey, this is the reality we got to play. And then if you add on top of that, why, like you were just saying, it's a great point. Let's say that the winner of the first game superior or crown then beats Bethany in the following game. You could have a team who is soaked tired. Yeah. Yep. Cold and having to throw a third different pitcher on the same All day. Right. But I I don't know what the I don't think there is an alternative. And that's the whole trouble with this thing is you can look back in the past couple of days and I understand the reasonings I've heard and whatnot, but you look back on Friday for how long we had a stretch where it was light rain at the worst, if not no rain, and then it was coming down somewhat heavy and there was wind and all that, and I get it. And I understand the reasons why they weren't playing. But if you could have the look ahead, and we won't know all this till tomorrow, and see, you know, on the last day that you can possibly play that there's going to be a bunch of rain, would they have gone back to today being Saturday or yesterday being Friday and saying, you know what, we should have at least gotten four or five innings in here or there where we could have. I don't know, and I don't want to speak in hypotheticals too long, but all of these things are going to pop into people's minds if we get into that tough spot tomorrow. So I'll say what everyone's thinking, Wyatt. A lot of people... Unless you're obviously the winner of Superior or Crown, so Jacket fans or Polar fans, whoever wins that game, people in the conference and whatnot, they're rooting for it to just be two games tomorrow and for Bethany to wrap it up for whoever they play against because if that doesn't happen, like you said, a whole different can is going to be opened where it's going to be not fair, like you mentioned. It's going to be one team's going to have to win three games back to back to back to hoist the hardware. And I'll just say, Wyatt, and I know you would agree with it, if someone does that, I mean, is that one of the more remarkable well, UMAC championships in the history of the conference, if not the most remarkable, to win three games in one day? 100% yes, and I would feel comfortable saying we'll never see it again because, like I said, you shouldn't be playing three games in one day. They shouldn't be doing it anyways. But if somebody actually does that, I I don't know if we'll ever see it again, one, and I don't know that we can say we've ever seen it before. Yeah, that's fair. And this is another scenario, Wyatt, where we're asking for the UMAC research team that we need. 
find that's, it quick. That's kind of dead this spring. <laughs> I've I've come to learn that that kind of died off once basketball season ended. It seems like one so. day, one day we'll maybe get that. But uh, for okay. now, okay. for now we don't have it. So it since, is okay. So since yep. we've already discussed the weather here to a certain extent, just wrap up this conversation there before we discuss the games. I guess. What what are the chances we start on time tomorrow? It's a 10.30 start time. I know there's rain in the forecast in the morning. There's a chance for some in the afternoon. Like you said, teams could be soaked. But, I mean, with where you're at, you don't make the decision by any means and have little power in this matter. But do you think they're playing regardless at 10.30? Or it does it depend on how hard the rain's coming down? I, I mean... Uh, like you said, we got to get it done by tomorrow night. Uh, the farther you push it back, you're, you're putting yourself in a really bad spot. So I guess what's going to happen tomorrow if it's raining would be my question to you. Your guess is as good as mine, and I think it's going to have to be coaches are going to have to maybe be willing to compromise a few things that in the past days they've been able to be a little more particular on. And that's just going to be the reality of the situation. Here's the problem too, Wyatt. We're sitting here late on uh, this Saturday night past 10 o'clock. And when I'm looking at the hourly right now in Mankato, it's supposed to rain like each hour overnight. And does the forecast always pan out that way? No. Is it going to be a constant stream of water every single hour throughout the evening? No, but it'll be at least substantial enough where it's going to keep raining to an extent. I mean, the good news is it says the rain's supposed to lighten up at about 10 a.m. tomorrow, what I'm looking at now, and that's when we're supposed to have first pitch. But get this, Wyatt. The field could be soaked. Rain could be coming down, and it'll be 51 degrees. It's going to feel like 46 for an elimination game in the UMAC tournament. And it's going to be windy as well. And eventually it'll warm up, hopefully, fingers crossed, when the rain does go away. But what I'm looking at, rain isn't going to leave till mid to late afternoon. And again, this is all subject to change. And we had a pocket today here in Mankato that did not look you know, probable at all. When I looked at the forecast last night being Friday night, and then this morning being Saturday morning, I was very surprised to see what we had for, I don't know what it ended up being. I mean, three and a half, four hours, something like that, where it was dry. And then the sun even came out for a little bit. And it was like, pretty nice. I mean, if you want to label it that way is as good as we've had so far this week in Mankato, for the most part. And the unfortunate thing is we only played about 12 minutes of baseball today, Wyatt. Insane. Actual, you know, on the field. So that's, Insane. That's where, you, that's where you go back and you just wonder how are they going to learn from this for the future and are they going to be kicking themselves tomorrow? And again, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone in particular. I know there's so many layers to these decisions and we're not coaches who are looking out for arms of, you know, young pitchers. So I get the deal with it. But to answer your question, I – I wouldn't say it's super likely that we're going to be playing other than the fact of games got to happen. So in in my opinion, that means absolutely nothing because I just show up and I put the headset on when they're playing and that's my only single role in this whole thing. If it's raining to a level that is not excessive, you got to play, right? Like as soon as you can get going, they said a 10 o'clock start time, okay? So as soon as it hits 10 a.m., even if the field's wet and it's not the most ideal situation, if it's light rain, you have to play, right? I mean, there's nothing else they can do. Well, I mean, yeah, let's let's face the reality. I mean, a little rain never hurt anybody. That's uh, just the bottom <laughs> line here. We got to get the games in. If it's going to rain, guess what, coaches and, you know, players? 
you got to deal with it, uh, and you got to get yep. it done. It's and a you ter- tell both teams you're dealing with the same thing. You're playing on the yes, same crappy exactly. situation. Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, it's a turf field. It's not like you have to necessarily worry about it like you would a dirt or a grass field. I understand there are impacts when it rains on a turf field like there would be a, a regular field, but all, all things considered, it's going to hold the water a lot better, and you're going to be able to play through the rain. So... I don't think there's any doubt in my mind they're playing through rain at some point tomorrow or the forecast is going to change. But one way or another, we're seeing baseball at some point, and I think it's the best for everybody. I just I wish it didn't have to come to a point where a team actually has to play a third game to win this thing. And I think it's a very real possibility. It's just unfortunate we're in that position with the weather and what's happened the past few days. So it really is a tournament and a league unlike any other this year, Ryan, because... <laughs> Uh, this, I don't. This week has proven it. They're helping I don't, our yeah, brand wide. I don't. It's, I it's don't, helping our slogan. <laughs> I guess. I guess it is. I don't know any other conferences that have had to go through anything quite like this. I know the MIAC has completed theirs, and uh, you know the other conferences in the nearby area have gotten theirs. And I haven't heard of another conference that's up against it like the UMAC is right now. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens tomorrow. But that's to be determined. Let's talk about what we do know, though. I suppose, which is. What happened, the two games, you know, that we haven't discussed yet, which feel like forever ago at this point, but nonetheless, games we haven't talked about. Where do you want to start? I guess we can go in chronological order if we want to start with Superior and Morris, if you're cool with that. Hey, you're going to run the show. I'm going to follow. So if you want to start there, you are the one in person to take these games in. I got a chance to watch a little bit from afar, but what what do you think uh, about that Superior Morris game? Is it about what you expected? Uh, did you like the fight back that Morris maybe gave? I mean, what what do you think? What are your overall impressions from this one? Yeah, similar to the game that you saw earlier today out in Mandan, Wyatt, too many runners left on base for Morris. And now give Superior a lot of credit. They were chomping at the bit, ready to go from the jump. They built a 5 to nothing lead after three putting together really good at-bats. It was tough on Reinerts to make anything happen. They're putting balls in play. Nothing that's like super overzealous where they're hitting gappers left and right and they're driving the ball to the deep parts of the ballpark. That's not what was happening. It was just steady, one guy after another, good at-bats, putting the ball in play, making something happen. And then, like I said, Morris finally is able to get a run in the fourth, but throughout the contest, I mean, they mounted chances and then Matt Tappy would buckle down with two guys on or three guys on. And he'd get either weak contact or he'd get a strikeout. And it seems like all three of his strikeouts were in really big spots with guys on. Because if you told Morris coming into the game, Wyatt, all right, Tappy's going to go five and a third. You're going to have 11 hits. You're going to put four on him. And you're going to get into the jacket bullpen in the sixth inning. I mean, Coach O'Brien and his staff, they take that, right? You would think. I mean, you'd be crazy not to, all things considered. So... Yeah, I think they're happy with the way they hit the ball offensively. They just didn't get the big hits when they needed to. Yeah, that's exactly right. So they're going to look back on this game being at the last of their season and say we had our chances. And, you know, they didn't get anything too bad out of the bullpen. I guess that's the best way I can label it. Um, Ostin and Wilhelm go in after Reinerts only gets through four and a third and keep them in the game, but just never enough offense to make something happen in superior found a way to tack on a few more late, and it was never really a question down this stretch. And, you know, Tappy wasn't nearly as good as he was against Morris earlier in the season when it was a complete game shutout, but he didn't need to be. And that says a lot about this 
superior team where they can work around that. And uh, Morris had their chances but couldn't cash in. So, yeah, great season to Morris White. I mean, did not end the way they would have liked it to in the UMAC tournament. But you lose a game in which you score nine unanswered to go up 9-7, and they're going to look back on that Bethany one and say, we should have found a way to close that out in the late innings. Easier said than done to get those final six outs against Bethany on their home field. And then in this game, I mean, for large stretches, they had more hits than Superior and created more chances, yet they're looking up at the scoreboard and they're down four, five, or six runs. So that's the way the game of baseball goes sometimes, and you and I say it all the time, Wyatt. But it's proven true multiple times in this UMAC tournament. Box scores are deceiving. Red alert, okay? If you pull up the box score and you just go hunting, it can be deceiving more times than not. We say that all the time on our podcast throughout the season, and it especially rings true when I'm privileged enough to be here in person and then look at the box score after the fact and say, yeah, this is very misleading, actually. So, Yeah, as you were at, at the game, like you said, you have a different view, but what I saw, at least as far as Tappy goes and why Morris had some success and were able to hit him around, seemed like he was leaving his breaking ball up in the zone at times. I, I felt like he hung it. I don't know if you had that same impression based on where you were at, but it seemed like they were able to hit that pitch a little bit and, and get on him, and maybe that's why he didn't have quite as much success as he typically has had this year. I don't know if you would agree with that, but uh, nonetheless, he did what he needed to do, and, and he was able to get out of the jams, get out of the spots. It was a pretty good outing, all things considered, and superior they got enough offensively and that's kind of what we expected I didn't think Morris was going to be able to keep superior off the scoreboard especially with the way things went in the first round for them against crown I figured that offense was going to be ready to go and sure enough they're out here and practically everybody in their order outside of one gets a hit so everybody's contributing it's a great win for superior like you said never really in question even when Morris did make their push in this game like, when they played Bethany the other night, it felt like they actually had a chance to win that game. I don't know if I ever really felt like watching this game that they were going to have a chance to win, if that makes sense. Like, they were there. They were hanging around. They were one or two hits away, maybe, from making it interesting. They never really had that feel, though. I just felt like Superior had a grip on this game, and uh, they were they were going to come out on top. So, good season for Minnesota Morse, though. Uh, one to certainly remember, I think they're trending in the right direction. Can they build off of this now and actually run with it into the future would be the question for them. And now if you're superior, you get at least one more day of baseball with the guys, which turns into two because we didn't play today. But uh, nonetheless, you get another opportunity and to uh, keep yourself alive to do something special. So good win for them. Uh, hats off for the performance. Well done. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens from here with the with the jackets. Also, not a big fan of the uh, black pants and the black. Mm. I mean, the, I like the black jerseys, but uh, black pants in baseball? I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling about that one. But anyways. Really? Hot take. I kind of like it. I think if you're going to go all out, go all out. I, I like kind of, you know, zigging when everyone else is zagging like you are as a Bulldog fan. I, I understand. But, and listen. You can ask anybody, you know, what my favorite color is. My favorite color, whether it's for uniforms <laughs> or, like, if we're playing a board game or something, I want to be black. I just like that color. And Back for, in black, and, and you can wear it hey, all year long, Wyatt. It goes with... Thinking, okay, how, how do I put this outfit together? It goes black. with almost... <laughs> it, it could go with almost... You can make it work with almost anything. I, I like the color. And... For some reason, it rubbed me the wrong way when I saw their black pants. I don't know why. It just baseball for some reason. It's just like that doesn't 
quite belong for some reason. So, again, what I'm about, not... One last question on Morris. What about the maroon on maroon with the gold scripting? Is that okay? I mean, it's better. I, I don't... If, if you're, a, you're a purist. Wear the pinstripes, wear the gray pants, or the white pants, and let's keep it simple. I mean, more or less. I, I don't know. I there's There's different ways to try and be creative, but... All of one color, like, uh, you know, uh, even crowns, like light blue. Like, I don't, I don't like all of one color if it's, if it's something like that, like that extreme. So it's not just, it's not just, you know, with the black for superior. I mean, I could go down the list with, you know, anybody that's ever tried to do it. So you, when you have your, you know, big free time at some point, why look at the new city connect jerseys for the reds. You'll hate them then. Cause they're black on black with red scripting. I think they look fantastic, but you won't like them because they kind of look like superior. So anyway, but you, but you do like it. So you were a fan of the <laughs> I jackets. Do. I do. I like zigging when everyone else is zagging. That's the best way I can put it. So I just, yeah. I just pulled it up on uh, Twitter. Don't like them. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know. Joey Votto just doesn't look right wearing that well, for some reason. Okay. I, don't, I yeah. don't know. When he's standing next to Hunter Green and Jonathan India, and he feels like he's 20 years older, that's that, a whole other conversation, that, why he's still playing. Yeah, that's that, he's an odd dude. But anyways, yeah, no, congrats to Superior on the win. And, I mean, Morris, uh, to be honest, it, it feels like, and Steve Kerr said this about the Warriors, so maybe I, that's why I want to say this right now, but it feels like this team kind of hit their ceiling. I, I I don't think Morris was ever going to be a team. And again, we said they maybe could win this weekend, but I feel like they got everything they could have out of this group. I think that's fair. And there's all you know, there's little things that we can poke at, if you will. But I still give them a gold star for this season. They got some underclassmen talent coming back and looking yeah. forward to what they will do last year, like you mentioned. We will get to superiors pitching in a moment, Wyatt, because I think there's an argument you can make. As unfortunate as this whole thing is, as we laid out with the weather and everything else going on to push things back, it does help your pitching in some ways. So I want to get to that when we talk about their matchup against Crown. But Wyatt, the reality is they're playing Crown because what many, including myself, thought was going to be a compelling game was not whatsoever. Bethany absolutely demolishes Crown. And then the game ends last night without ending, if you will, in the sixth inning when it is basically over. They come back today, play for like 12 minutes. Bethany puts up a couple more runs, and they ended in seven innings, and there was no doubt about it. And then it was totally clear out for a few hours, but uh, Crown and Superior were taking BP and throwing and whatnot. And then weather rolled in, and they pushed the start time back, and then it didn't happen, and I don't need to go over all that again. But my question for you, Wyatt, is it easier for Crown to almost just throw that thing away because it was so lopsided? Like, let's say they had used Barmoy and he pitched five good innings and then they threw some, you know, of their better bullpen arms, if you want to put it that way, and ate up some real time and they were right in the game and then Bethany won it late. Is it easier for them to move on as bad as that was? And Coach Repkin was... Not happy on a number of occasions last night with what his team was doing in the field and kind of giving Bethany some extra opportunities here and there. I'm not saying it was good, but in some ways, do you feel like it's almost easier to wash that one when it was never really in doubt? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, and and I don't blame him for going the, the route of just getting different arms in and just trying to piece it together at that point because... Let's be honest, at a certain point in that game, you knew they weren't coming back, regardless of when it was going to be completed. And 
Yeah, I, 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 this is really surprising to me looking at this box score. I, I just I never would have thought Bethany was going to win this game as convincingly as they did. But, I mean, hats off to the offense for finding ways to score. And then me and you both said we thought this was not going to be Brody Curtis pitching this game. What have I said all year about him, though, Ryan? I have said when he has his stuff... He's one of the best pitchers in this conference. You could argue he's the best pitcher on that staff. I said that going back to a couple years ago when he was very good through the UMAC that year. He hasn't had it this year. He just hasn't. He hasn't been, and his record's good, but he, he's had some outings where he's been hit pretty hard, and it hasn't really been his best stuff. But man, did he have it last night, and he was in control, just cruising through that lineup, and it was fun to watch because you could tell he was a pitcher that knew exactly what he's doing. He had a game plan, and he was executing at a high level. So that, to me, is the A topic here, is that Brody Curtis just pitched one of the biggest games of his life, and Bethany trusted him and gave him the ball. They must have liked something to go to him here in this spot, but, man, did he deliver. That was, that was an incredible performance to shut out that crown team. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think he's an intimidating presence on the mound wide. And speaking of the All Blacks, I mean, those things were popping late at night. All that Brody's been waiting all season for, Wyatt, is to get the ball at a 9 p.m. first pitch because then the crown lineup maybe isn't as locked in and they're a little sleepy late in the night. But, no, all jokes aside, I mean, looked really good with the goatee, and he had the attitude and everything. And even when Crown got a couple guys on a few innings in, he was able to lock them up. I mean, I don't know if it was the first nine or ten that he put down in order. He was facing the minimum through the first three innings before Crown was able to do a little bit of something in this ball game. But the key thing, why you talked about Matt Tappy moments ago and his breaking stuff not locating it well. Yeah, that was the key for Curtis. It was yeah. a steady stream of off speed. And how many times have we seen that in big pitching performances against Crown? when you don't give them fastballs to look at. Yeah. And one specific at-bat stands out to me that took a long time against Seth Betts, where Curtis was actually down in the count. I think it was 3-1 or 3-0 maybe even. And he works it back full, and Betts falls off a couple pitches, and then eventually he gets him on a curveball that was up in the zone, but Betts just could not time it up. And that at-bat felt like it was 8 or 10 pitches, Wyatt. I don't know if Betts saw more than one fastball the whole at-bat. I mean, he just would not give him a single fastball, and it's 66, then it's 68, then it's 67. And this is one of the other cool things, too, wide about being in person at ISG Field. You got all these numbers and, you know, headshots and stuff of the last at-bats, and then you got the pitch speed as well and the pitch count on the live video board. So I enjoyed seeing that because then it confirms, like, okay, these are the type of pitches that he's throwing, and this is where he's at. And then I got a monitor next to me as well, so I really do appreciate the setup. But sticking with that stuff and saying – I'm going to put it right here, and I don't think it's much of a shock to crown Wyatt, but it's been a similar script that we've seen over the past few years, and I think that's something we have to look at tomorrow, whether it be from a jacket pitcher in the first game or if Crown is fortunate enough to advance to pitch against Bethany or to play against Bethany, I should say. They're going to see a lot more off speed, wouldn't you think, on the final day? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Ryan, I, for crying out loud, I threw like 70 miles per hour, and my matchups where I pitched against Crown going back, I was always throwing breaking balls to them down and away because I never thought they were going to really do damage. When you pitch this team fastballs, and I don't think that's ever really changed with them, 
they can crush a fastball better than anybody in this conference, especially when it's up in the zone. They can crush breaking balls when they're up in the zone. But if you can locate your off-speed stuff, and I mean, that's the case really, really with any team. If you're locating your off-speed stuff down and away, they're, they're not going to they're not gonna hit it. They're going to be over the top of it all day long, and it's going to be a really frustrating day. So I think that's always the game plan when you face a team like this. It's just executing, and, and Curtis was in control, and again, Maybe it had to do with the late start time, but I don't want to take anything away from that performance because it was brilliant. And then on the flip side, they just started playing with confidence. Their offense got rolling, and uh, yeah, they they were a force to be reckoned with. It's going to be really tough for me to see either Crown or Superior beat Bethany on their home field at this point tomorrow, and uh, especially now that they have to try and play a third game late in the day just to even get to winner take all. So. It's it's going to be an uphill climb. Bethany is in a beautiful spot now, all things considered, and really, really close to uh, another conference tournament title. So, well done. Hats off to them. Crown, I, I don't really know how you respond or even come back from that. Like, what do you say if you're Coach Repking after a game like that to get them dialed in and refocused? I understand they lost in a game like that last year and then came back around and won it, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. I don't think they lost that game 15 to zero and got embarrassed the way they did last night. So it, it's going to be a little bit of a different challenge. I feel like this time around to try and overcome what just happened and win three straight games, especially in one day, to put yourself back in the NCAA tournament. So a lot to chew on there, a lot to think about. But Bethany, by winning that game, has put themselves not only in the driver's seat, but I, I mean, I look at it like a 90% chance, if not higher, that they're going to be the team that ends up winning this thing now. So they are occupying the front seat, and then their luggage is in the two seats in the first back row, and mm. everyone else is sitting near the trunk, is what you're saying. Like, they have to yell to the back of the car while they're driving down the freeway in the fast lane for anyone else to hear them. You know when you were growing up, Wyatt, and you're sitting in the furthest back seat and it's hard to relay things throughout the car? Is that where we're at right now? Hey, I had three brothers, so I understand that (laughs) analogy very well. I'd take it a step farther. I mean, kind of like when we were making fun of John Calipari's bandwagon comment. I mean, Crown and Superior are, like, clinging to the back of the bumper at this point, (laughs) just trying to hang on to the car right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's so much to try and overcome. Now, it gets interesting with the extra day for, like, pitching and stuff like that. But even with that being the case, I just, I don't know, it just really feels like Bethany is going to win this thing. And, and I mean, when you, you beat a team 15-0 to zero and you have everything rolling, you were the conference champs in the regular season, it just it feels like they're the best team in this conference. I, I know... Going back to the start of this tournament, I thought maybe Superior was the team to beat. Bethany's been the team to beat. We had it wrong, and and they're they're the team to beat, and deservingly so. They they've played the best baseball all season long, I think, for the totality from start to finish, and that showed again in this matchup with Crown. Hey, I believed in them earlier this week. I it's picked true. them. I, it's true. I you know I didn't think it was going to be this dominant necessarily how it's worked out, but. No, I mean, all jokes aside, Wyatt, it's not like, you know, like I've said, for a few teams in this tournament, they're driving the ball all around the yard, gappers left and right, back breaking big hits to knock multiple guys in, lawn balls. They only had 10 hits in the game, and it only was seven innings. But they stole seven bases against Morris Wyatt on Thursday night. Do you know how many bases that they stole last night against Crown? 
I'm gonna guess nine. Seven plus four is eleven plus one. They had twelve in that ball game. Wow. I was counting it up as you were answering that wow. question. So they have stolen nineteen bases in two games. That's no no one good. can stop them I mean, from running. They're just running rampant around the bases, and nobody can somehow find a way to stop them. And I don't know what you do with that, White. I mean, yeah, they're getting pretty good jumps most of the time, but a lot of it has to do with they have really good speed, and they're just daring. I mean, so far it has been Keegan Jonas behind the plate for Morris and then Matthew Chagabe behind the plate for Crown. That's the big question in this next game, White. I think all eyes should be on Isaac Fugere behind the plate because inevitably some guys are going to get on if Superior advances to face off against Bethany and then or it's Chagabe again, and it's the same situation. But Fugere is the only catcher who has not faced off against this Bethany offense. And you're hearing that sentence and saying, a catcher to face against their offense? What does that even mean? If Superior wins is what I'm saying. Can anyone find a way to slow down their run game, if you will? Well, I think he, he would be the one out of the remaining catchers in the in the conference. Cause really? You like the Greyhound product? The he's a good, kid? He's a good catcher. Yeah. I, I do. I mean, he good, was... Pl- good arm, though, is the question. Well, I I don't remember from he was playing back when I was playing. Like he was a what year is here? Because because I'm pretty sure he was a freshman. The yep. the year he's that as a junior. This yeah. Year. So yep. so my senior year, he was a freshman and he was catching for him then. So no, I I think he he's got a lot of experience. I think he possibly could. It's just as much you could argue on the pitchers as it is the catcher. You know, I I I don't know for sure based off of just looking at the box score and looking at the numbers, but. It very well could be a timing thing there with them. Like you said, if you're getting yeah. good jumps, there's only so much a catcher can do. So it, it, it goes sure. it goes both ways. Pitcher's got to be able to keep the runners close and, and do whatever you can. So, yeah, I mean, when you can steal, you can wreak havoc. I mean, that, that gets in a pitcher's head too, and then that helps your offense even more. So the fact that they've had 19 in two games is just absurd. Like, you just you don't see that these days. So pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, Liam Peterson, I mean, he's going around and he's stealing back-to-back bases like it's nothing second and third like Y1 and I. When you start doing that, that's a whole nother level. Like, it's one thing to steal second after you get, you know, a one-out walk and then maybe try to drive the guy in, but they're taking it to a whole nother level and you got multiple guys with three or two stolen bases in a game. It's it's wild. So, yeah, uh, are you ready to move on to Superior versus Crown and what we think the pitching matchup's going to be and everything else for a game that we hope starts tomorrow morning and finishes, but we don't really know but are, are we ready for that time i think so you go ahead and tell me what you think is going to happen all right so jefferson barmoy threw against bethany last night being friday night and uh i'm i'm not trying to be harsh but the reality is why there's multiple visits to the mound in the first inning and he just looked lost and then you brought tape out and tried to make sure that shagabe's fingers were clear for him to see multiple pitches went oh, to the boy. backstop it just oh. was it was rough Oh, to say the least. Tough scene. So he, he didn't get very far. And then Worley, I mean, all things considered, was pretty good out of the pen. I would say he's maybe their second or third best arm out of the bullpen, Wyatt. They already threw Van Dam in the first game, and when he pitched two innings in their blowout win over Superior. So this is a rematch from a 15-3 to game in the first round, Wyatt. And for some reason, I don't know why, but that feels like it, it took place like last Monday. That feels like it took place like in another week on the calendar, and it was just a few days ago. So they meet again. I don't know the status of Tyler Van Sice. 
if he is remotely healthy and able to go, I would guess he pitches, but it could be Vondrasek, the lefty. I, I think he's left hand. I shouldn't. I'm actually not sure if he's left hand. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, anyway. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the place. I got a couple guys in my head. So, anyway, I don't really know exactly who the guy is going to be for Crown, but I think it could be another situation like we saw last night being Friday night against Bethany. You don't know how much you're going to get out of that starter, and you hope you can get a decent amount because the reality is why they got to win three ball games, okay? So if it is Vondrasek, the junior out of Cedar Rapids, I mean, maybe he can get you four, five, six innings. Like that would be ideal. He pitched his last game against Superior, and he only got through five innings, and he gave up six runs. So not a lot of ideal options for Crown. On the other side, Superior Stone, Ryrod, and Tappy. Ryrod threw against Crown, and they beat him up, and I don't think he's pitching in this first game. They already threw Harbaugh once in relief. Could he start the game? Maybe. But I think it's Ben Welly, probably in this game. I would say advantage superior as far as the pitching goes, Wyatt, and I'm just going to cut to the chase. How many runs does Crown have to score to win? It's a similar conversation we've had before, but their offense feels like it has to carry them, especially on the third day of a tournament. It's their MO anyway, but they are going to have to have a monumental day at the plate tomorrow and win at least two, if not three, slugfest types of games to hoist the hardware once more and defend their title, in my opinion. Uh, you could easily make a case it's got to be double digits for, for runs, you know what I mean? Like, that seems like an absurdly high number, but <laughs> I, how do you trust the pitching staff at this point? Without, I mean, yeah. here's the deal. If, if they're going to win three games in a row tomorrow, Vol- Volksbeck has to pitch at some point, right? I, I mean, uh, as far as how much. Sure. but And he'd tell you he wants to pitch. Yeah, and we don't yeah, know how but, much, but at least make an appearance for sure. But you got to get through 27 innings. I, I don't think Crown's capable of doing that. Like, I just I don't see any way this team is going to win the championship tomorrow. How, how are you going to get through 27 innings with this pitching staff? I just I don't see it happening. So regardless of what they do in that first game, uh, the offense is going to just have to like do something historic if they're if they're going to have any chance like moving throughout the day. So yeah, they're up against it a little bit. Superior's definitely got a better pitching matchup here, I think, and is set up to make a run maybe in that aspect. I think Rodriguez could come back. I don't think he necessarily starts this game either, and they probably do go with Welly, but definitely keep that in the back of your mind, even for a relief appearance maybe if the game's close. So I think everything's on the table. It's the final day of the tournament. I'd be surprised if everything isn't on the table, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. With all that being said, before I give you my prediction, I want to hear yours. Yeah, I mean, well, he wasn't great in his last performance against Crown. He got through just two and a third and gave up three runs, and they pulled him. But at this point, he's maybe a better option than what Crown has. I mean, Van Sice pitched against Bethel. Last week, just in inning, it was the first time he's thrown in like three weeks. So maybe he can come back. We'll see. I'm taking Superior. I think Crown's offense does definitely have a chance because of the work they did against Welly last time. I think the last thing Superior wants is to fire any part of the bullet that is Ryan Rodriguez, whatever he has left, which he could have a decent amount left. Even though he pitched a pretty long game on Thursday, Wyatt, the advantage of all these delays, he's had two full days of rest. So we'll see what he gives tomorrow. And as we've mentioned before, This is his super senior year, so he's going to give it a go to the full tomorrow and say, I'm ready, whatever you need, coaches. So we know that's going to be the case, so keep that in your back pocket. But I think Crown's offense gets, I'll say, seven runs, but I think Superior wins this game 
I'm going to say 12 or 13 to 7. And that means this is a longer game and it's potentially played in some rain. And uh, then we're finding a way to hopefully get the next game started soon and move from there. But I favor not just the starting matchup, but the bullpen arms that Superior has over what Crown has. And maybe I eat my words, but I agree with you. I think Crown's got to score at least double digits to win this game. And that sounds absurd, but it's where we're at. Yeah, no, I agree. And we ate our words in this first matchup when Crown went out and absolutely destroyed them. We both had Superior in that game. But look, the reality is, unless they put Volksbeck back out there, I just don't see. And even if they do, I don't know how healthy he's going to be to be able to throw on short rest. So with all that to be said, I trust Superior a lot more in this game. I, I trust the starting pitching. I trust the relief pitching. And their offense scored 10 against Morris. So I think their offense is going to be able to put up runs. I think Superior wins the game, and I think they win fairly comfortable. And to be honest, I, I don't think either of these teams necessarily has the means to win three straight games. Like I said, that's why I think Bethany is is close to a lock to win this thing. But if there is a team out of these two that could potentially push Bethany, it would be Superior just because they, they do have the arms, and, and I don't know, I just feel like they would be the one team that might have a chance to compete with Bethany if it were to get to that point. So... I think Superior gets it done. I think they end up winning this game over Crown. They get that revenge, get the last laugh, if you will, and it sets up a Jackets and Vikings final to decide who's going to the NCAA tournament. But again, Crown proved us wrong once in this tournament. They've proved us wrong throughout the regular season. They're the defending champions. You certainly can't count them out. It just seems like a lot is going to have to go in their way, though, if they're going to win this one. For sure, and if they do win, we'll go through this whole weekend and never see the one play the two. I mean, we talked about Bethany versus Superior yeah. earlier this week, and then it would never happen. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But let's move forward now, Wyatt, and assume that Welly throws, because that's our guess, and this is a big hypothetical game tonight. But, folks, that's where we're at, okay? So let's say Welly throws, and maybe you get a little bit of Harbaugh and relief, and I don't even know if that's going to happen. But you move on to this next game, another elimination game. Do you throw Ryrod in this one, or are you trying to save him for that last game because – you go by the adage of, and I've heard Coach Heap say this in the past for Northwestern in some spots that you guys had in planning pitching for, you know, an NCAA tournament and the UMAC tournament and whatnot. When you know you got to win three games, do you save your top arm for that last game and saying, if we get there, we want him to be in that spot because we got to win three regardless? Or why are you of the belief you pitch that arm in that next elimination game if he's ready? to get to that last game. And then you deal with whatever you got to deal with in that last game with whatever arms are available. How do you view that as far as an ace pitching on short rest and you got two more games to win? Do you wait to the last moment to throw them or do you start them sooner? I want to be clear. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer either way because regardless, he's pitching on the same amount of rest in this instance. It's just a matter of which game. So I don't think... It's, it's a right or wrong answer. Me personally, I would probably wait until the final game just because, one, you know, you're, you're going to have to pitch somebody else to win anyways at some point. So why not wait and see if they can get it done and then you have him for that final game? You don't necessarily have to throw the guy on short rest unless you absolutely have to, if that makes sense. You know, because if you were to throw him on short rest and, and you know, not not that it matters a ton for him at this point because this is kind of it, like he's, he's going to be done after this. But why put an arm or anything like that in jeopardy if in the end you're not even going to come away with the win anyways, you know what I mean, or be in that spot. So I, I would wait, throw him in the final, you know, game, 
personally, that's just what I would do. But, uh, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong answer, I, I guess is what I would say to this. So be interesting to see what they do. And, and regardless, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. Like I said, I think Bethany's going to win. I think Bethany's going to win the first game quite honestly. And I know that kind of kills the drama, the excitement from it. But like you said, you're going to have one of these teams that's going to be playing in rain. Probably they're going to be wet. Bethany's not necessarily going to be in that spot. Bethany's got a better pitching standpoint, having only played two games and one of them only went seven innings. So I just, I, I just don't see how either of these teams are going to be Bethany. And I don't even think we get to the winner take all game, which would be the third game of the day then for superior. If that happens or crown, if crown wins, I think Bethany just ends it in game one, and I think the Vikings win it. They go 3-0 and and kind of convince everybody that they were the best team. So I know it kills the fun. It's it's not very much excitement, but uh, let's just be honest. That's probably more than likely the reality of what's going to happen tomorrow, I think. It could still be fun. I mean, it won't be all the drama like we talked it about, could. but it could still be very funny. You know, it is a success if we get those two games in tomorrow, and even if a lot of people are soaked, if we wrap up, later afternoon and we're done i mean there's going to be some people high five and just be <laughs> because yeah. we got it in and we avoided potentially a really really dire situation with having to play a third game tomorrow with everything that could go along with that one follow-up on the rye rod situation so if you are saving them for the third game Wyatt, here's a hypothetical for you let's say that it's close early in this ball game and let's say harbaugh starts okay let's say welly pitches in the crown game and they use some other bullpen arms and then harbaugh comes back because he hasn't started a game he pitched a few innings in relief back on thursday against crown but let's say he starts game number two against bethany and it's tight early but then in the fourth inning they put some runs on and let's say they're up by four runs and there's two guys on and there's still nobody out. I mean, at, at that time, at some point, if you're coach tapping his assistance, are you getting Rodriguez loose in the bullpen, knowing that he potentially in this spot really could be your best option? He's a super senior, all that going into it, your season's on the line, and you bring him on in relief to try to save that game? Or are you saying no matter what, you save him for the final game? I know it's a tough question, but what, would you consider warming him up and bringing him in in relief? Not that early. Not not that early in a game. I I mean, if it's close down the stretch, absolutely. Like like if you need one or two innings from him, or if you're in a jam and need an out or two, I think that's absolutely on the table. Everything's on the table, and again, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, we see it in the MLB where starters will come in relief late in the World Series, or even you know the AL or NLCS. So. It absolutely is a possibility, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see it. I would be surprised if we saw it that early, though, if that makes sense. I I think it would only be a late-game situation where we would see him in relief. Fair enough. Yeah, so I would say that would be obviously not ideal. I mean, Captain Obvious there with where Bethany would be at if you're down four in the front half of this ballgame and got to make a tough decision. Not Bethany down, I'm sorry, Superior down in this game, and how do you piece it together? So lots of tough decisions to make for these coaches. I agree, Wyatt. I mean, do we want to put a score on it for Bethany Superior? I, again, you know me. I'm not good with score (laughs) predictions, but if you want to, you know what, I'll, I'll humor you. I'll give you a score prediction. Last time we can do it, Wyatt. Do it for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it won't it, it, crown will win now and the <laughs> score prediction will be useless but i'll say bethany wins nine to five nine to five could be close for a little bit superior maybe has a chance or two to 
give themselves an opportunity to win the game, but they don't come through. Again, Bethany, from a pitching standpoint, I, I think they're just set up so much better. Their lineup is scoring at such a high clip right now. And the only reason I have it being that close is because I just don't think Superior is going to quit or lay over or roll over with Coach Oaks and, and those guys. So I think they fight and they give it all they got and keep it close. But Bethany is the better team. They win at 9-5. to five. That's a great number. The number I had in my head was seven to three, so it's it's pretty similar in that way. And I think it could be you know five to three in the eighth inning, and Bethany gets a few late runs, and then they finish it off in the ninth inning, and they hoist the hardware at that point. But yeah, it's just such an uphill climb. And you know, Connor Merton's the name why he hasn't yeah. thrown once this whole weekend. And there's been stretches this season when we look back and see what they've done in a weekend slate, where you point to the Southpaw, the Aussie, and you say. He's the best option. I mean, I know it means absolutely nothing to anyone listening to this, but when I saw him in person this year at Northwestern, he was the most impressive. His stuff was the best, and the Eagles were struggling the most when 42 was on the mound for Bethany. So you still got a really, really good option that is just sitting around and waiting for whenever that game takes place tomorrow, and that is a huge luxury to have for Bethany. And that, to go along with the base running they have, I mean, if their bats even wake up some more, and they haven't even been bad, don't get me wrong, but they start hitting some gappers and a ball or two leaves the yard, I mean, basically shut the lights out. This thing is easily over with. Yeah. Well, and again, the extra day of rest helps Crown and Superior, but it also helps Bethany is what you got to remember. And they've only played two games, so Jacobson could also come back on short rest if you need yep, him to. And sure. so so they're just set up so nice. Uh, I just, I, again, home field, you're 2-0. and you got to be beat twice. Even if it gets to a winner-take-all game, it'd be the third game of the day for whoever they play. Like, there's just so many things that point to them winning this thing. I just, I don't see any other way this, this ends. I, I mean, it's like, it's not like I've seen this movie before because I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, like like it's the good guys and the bad guys. I'm not saying Superior Crown are bad, but like the good guys always win kind of a thing. You know what I mean? You know it's going to happen. We just don't know how. So now we just got to watch it unfold, and then we'll find out how it happens. But it just really seems like Bethany is is going to win this thing. Yeah, the script writers have flipped to the end of the packet, and they're going from the finish <laughs> to the middle part, where they already yeah. know the ending, and now they're just falling in, filling in the bulk of it, if you will. And that's why you and I don't watch a ton of movies because they're kind of predictable. So, you know, why would you watch a movie when you can turn on some live sports and you actually don't know the ending? So that's, that's right. Even That's another discussion for another Even the but. XFL, right? I mean. <laughs> You're going to poke fun at me. But, yeah, we've crowned a champion. Congrats to uh, uh, Bob Stoops. What a, what a job taking the Arlington Renegades all the way to the championship. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson presenting the trophy and putting the hat on. What, what a moment out in San Antonio tonight. So, what a yeah. moment. <laughs> what a moment no it'll be hey i tell you it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow though hopefully they get them in i'll have my eyes on it uh, now that i got my stuff wrapped up from bismarck so looking forward to that make it a great call ryan make it a good day and uh i guess we'll recap it all when it's said and done i will do my best to do just that and yeah it's uh one of the more bizarre weekends i've ever experienced we talked about this before coming on the mic but it feels like we've done next to nothing wyatt and it's been a three-day event already technically so it's just nice to know that it's got to get done at some point tomorrow do we know when no but it has to finish tomorrow and yeah i hope everyone listening 
has enjoyed our conversations throughout the year talking about UMAC baseball. Tomorrow it's all over, so soak it in. So if you want to come out onto Mankato, I can't promise that the weather's going to be ideal because it's probably not going to be, but bring a poncho, bring a rain jacket, a, a blanket, whatever you want to do. Are you a poncho guy, Wyatt, or just, just no. put on the jacket and, and get wet the whole time? Pa- I mean, come on, poncho? I, I, I don't know if I've ever worn a poncho in my life. I just... Just bring whatever you're going to be comfortable in. If if it is going to be a little wet, have an extra layer, I guess. But a poncho, uh, that's 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 a little extreme to me. Well, you're a guy who's always walking in with style. So if you throw this big, baggy, oversized poncho over you, and somehow you get caught on camera behind well, the backstop, I, it's like a eh, tough look. I've had I've had some people tell me I have no style. So I'm glad I'm just glad to hear you say that because I I feel better about how I dress now. So never forget it. I, I, you know, I showed up one day to class and my advisor says, oh, you chose to wear real clothes today. And, uh, that's, that's, uh, all you need to know. Do you want a about, name drop? Do I don't need a name, name drop. Well, you know, you know who it is. That's, that's, and, I think, and I think I know. I have the, a good guess. The yeah. real ones know who it is. So that's, that's, that's all we need to know. So there you go. Could you hear this pounding outside of my window here in the hotel room? That's why I've been muting myself you. left and right. They got you set. Well, you have been muting yourself. I've noticed that, and, yeah. and I I can't hear a thing. So I think we're good. But they got you set up nice down there in Mankato. Nice hotel. They do good. I, I'm very I'm very very appreciative of those involved for uh, setting me up nicely. But yeah, it, the rain is pounding on the window. Is basically what I'm saying. So it, it's coming down. It's going to be coming down throughout the overnight. So yeah, we we got to wrap this thing up so uh, I can get some sleep and uh, prepare for whatever happens tomorrow, and uh, we will enjoy it. And uh, we'd still love to hear from you. Reminder, folks, we are not cutting this thing cold turkey at the end of the tournament. We will be back on at some point early on next week to talk about the champion and then also talk about why where they're going for the NCAA tournament because, remember, then we got to flip the page and we got to talk about the scenario where whatever UMAC team it may be, if it's Bethany, or somehow the Jackets or the Polars, how they could make some noise in the NCAA tournament. So we will talk about that, and uh, we will continue talking about that team until they're eliminated. And then we will finally seal Mm -hmm. the envelope and send it in for review and end and go into the off-season and a hiatus. Yes, indeed, hibernation. So uh, UAOTheUMAC at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you or at UAOTheUMAC on Twitter. You can just search on like any other the UMAC. Any final thoughts, sir? No, just that, uh, yeah, it'll all come to a close one way or another tomorrow, at least we think, and uh, except for the one team. And yeah, it, it's just amazing that we've gotten here again for a second straight year. It just it goes by really quick. So it's been a lot of fun. We get to finally see how it plays out tomorrow. It will be emotional in some way or another for at least some people. Will the Vikings be the one to hoist the trophy, or will we have an improbable three wins in one day for the Jackets or the Polars? Only time will tell. We will find out soon. This whole weekend has lived up to the hype, and tomorrow will for sure be a day unlike any other.